The Book Nook on WYSO is presented by the Greene County Public Library with additional support from Clark County Public Library, Dayton Metro Library, Washington Centerville Public Library, and Wright Memorial Public Library. Hello, welcome to the Book Nook on WYSO. I'm Vic McCunis, and I'd like to welcome back to the program today, James Lee Burke. Hello, Jim. Yeah, hello, uh, Vic. Jim, you got a new novel out. Well, yeah, it's officially out tomorrow, so thank you for having me on the show again. This one is called Every Cloak Rolled in Blood. Jim, uh, a a personal book for you, but I know it's not autobiography, despite what people might think. Well, uh, it's all fiction is ultimately fiction, but uh, it's usually predicated on another a story, uh, the real story. But those are actually it's like the characters that I write about. I I don't know where they come from, and sometimes years later I remember. I said, "My heavens, I I knew that person in 1945." <laughs> <laughs> This is another one of your Holland family books. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. t- tell us about your protagonist in this one, your narrator. Well, his name is Aaron Holland Broussard. And uh, I've written now one, two, three novels which he narrates. The first of those uh, was mm, uh, <clears throat> The Jealous Kind. It's a story about the early 1950s. And it's one of my three best books, I think. Uh, the next one was a book that came out last year titled Another Kind of Eden. The story takes place in 1962, right before the Cuban Missile Crisis. And the third book is the one coming out tomorrow. And this one is set in our present time. That's correct. In the pandemic and in the time of uh, President Trump. Yep. In fact, uh, Trump's already out of office in this book, so it's fairly current. Uh, Yeah, this book deals with both the past and the present. It has a lot to do with uh, a massacre on the Marias River in the year 1870. It was called the Baker Massacre. And it was the worst example of inhumanity uh, in America's history. And it's peculiar. Many people don't know about it. I, I suspect it's it's too horrible to know about in many respects. It's hard to explain it. But unfortunately, it was not the exception. It was the rule that in effect, after the war between the states, there was a declaration of just genocide on American Indians. Was that in Montana? Yeah. How far is that from where you're living? Oh, it's up a little bit north. It's not uh, far. It's on the other side of the divide, or it's almost on the divide, uh, up on the Marias River. Oh, the country's just magnificent but boy it's a bloody tale it's terrible those generals who fought the war if you 
be called a, fighting a war. Uh, they went from the South and from the, oh, uh, lesson taught us or inculcated in us by William Sherman. William Sherman was an advocate of the starvation of the Indians to wipe out all of the bison and to leave them on their knees and starving to death, literally. Those are not metaphors. This is General Sherman, the guy who sacked yeah. Atlanta. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so set this up for us. What What are we dealing with in this one? Uh, this is a story narrated by this former professor and man who did many other things as well. He's 85 years old and has lost his daughter, and he's uh, a widower as well, and he's beset by uh, terrible uh, feelings of not just loss, but it's as though uh, he says there's a cannonball that went right through his chest. It's the size of a pie plate, Mm. and uh, he doesn't know if he'll ultimately prevail. He he feel, he has suicidal inclinations. But anyway, he becomes the target, just accidentally, of some white supremacists. And this is the era in which we live right now. It is probably the worst in our history in terms of uh, racial harmony. None of us saw this coming. Of course, the seeds of the present go back to 1840 and the nativist movement, the present problems we have. They're very old. We just have masked them. But he suddenly finds himself in that, and he's targeted by uh, some people who uh, are very angry. It's very hard to describe why. This is maybe part of the book. Why are these people so angry? What is it that drives them? That There's this kind of grinding animus that seems to define their lives. And you want to talk with them, but uh, we all, we usually end up with a big question mark. It's just a question that never gets answered. Why are they so angry? You know, this is I feel like getting a love it or leave it sticker. <laughs> I've got a I have a t shirt I got at the Indian rodeo and it reads Love it or give it back <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and and that's really kind of the theme of the story in a way, because yeah. we yeah. we have the backdrop of, of these exterminations that have taken place. We have his terrible loss, his grief, and we have the white supremacists who are operating blatantly. Mm-hmm. And as the story begins, he sees these two young men outside his place, and, and one of them paints a swastika on his barn, and he has an encounter with them, and he ends up wanting to kind of help one of these kids out. Yes, he does. He remembers his uh, teen years 
and the trouble he got into and was a wandering young fellow many, many years ago on the Texas-Louisiana coast in the oil fields and jail. And, and he realizes that maybe he has a chance to make use of the his experience in order to help these two brothers who are obviously uh, headed for prison and uh, have already been there, actually, or in juvie. But he tries to do the right thing by them, but finds himself uh, confronted with the distributors of the opiates that are on the reservations, and they're everywhere. I mean, just, I mean, our country is just soaked in it, and narcotics, and both illegal ones and legal ones Mm -hmm. are maybe more pernicious. James James Lee Burke joins us. His new novel, Every Cloak Rolled in Blood. Jim has written uh, 40 novels, and uh, he's waited all these years to write his best one. You've written so many great books, Jim, but why did you wait so long to write your best one now? Well, uh, I'm just still learning. (laughs) 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 Really, <laughs> the the only way it could have been better, Jim, is if Smiley made a cameo appearance. But but we won't we won't get into Smiley. Okay. Uh, okay. So to, yeah. So some readers explain to the audience. <laughs> Smiley is the best villain uh, in the Dave Rovers show series. You're right. Uh, Smiley. <laughs> Smiley has set new standards. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. He's a great character. I agree. Uh, Jim. A little little dwarf-like fellow, you know, always smiling. And he he keeps a flamethrower in the trunk of his car. (laughs) Right. Some readers are going to say, gosh, this has really got a lot of supernatural elements. Tell us about how you feel about that, because to you, that's not really how it is, is it? Uh, No, I don't think of it as the supernatural. I think everything around us is metaphysical. Metaphysics and the supernatural are different. Hmm. And I do believe in um, that creation, as we call it, is a metaphysical phenomenon that we cannot explain. No no matter what people say, uh, ultimately there's nothing demonstrable about the science and the scientific uh, reasoning that we apply on, say, the concept of infinity. It doesn't work. Uh, the first person to uh, who, who would agree with that, in fact, he said it was Albert Einstein. He said that we just don't know what is on the other side of creation or infinity. He believed that parallel lines met on the edge of infinity, but how can infinity have an edge? I mean, he was acknowledging that, I mean, as I understand it. I don't know much about physics, but there's there's no answer. Hmm. There's not. You just reason yourself into an 
uh, insanity. Just uh, it, we we don't know, mm-hmm. and it it doesn't make sense either. I I I believe Charles Darwin got everything right, uh, and but he had no explanation. I mean, he was actually a believer. You know, people have misconstrued uh, what he wrote in Origin of the Species, but uh, a, a swamp, a bog, cannot think. It cannot create. A life, life that has eyes and a brain and fins and uh, webbed feet and the engineering is incredible. Look, we've we've achieved a lot in the scientific world. We can do lots of things, but we cannot create a form of life that that carries intelligence with it. We cannot do that. Well, then how could <laughs> A couple of amoebas. <laughs> a couple of amoebas said, let's get it on. And they did all this. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. My guest is James Lee Burke. And we're talking yeah. about every cloak rolled in blood. You reminded uh-huh. me, Jim, as I was reading the book, having spoken to you about your work so many times over the last 25 years, so many things in this book just resonated with me. And I, I would read something and I'd say, I have heard Jim say this or I've heard Jim talk about this. And uh, one thing that you mentioned, your, your uh, narrator is a novelist, a well-known novelist. And at one point he confesses that He's gotten a lot of his storylines from the Bible, and I know you've said that before about yourself. Um, yeah. Well, um, oh, yeah, many, yeah. And it's not, not just the Bible. Uh, they come from Greek tragedy and the Elizabethan stage. Mm-hmm. And But I say all three of these because I believe there are only so many stories. And the Greeks, of course... Uh, wrote about them uh, as, oh, in the form of deities, but the deities were simply reflections of themselves. But it was Freud who took their nomenclature. All Freudian analysis makes use of Greek mythology. In other words, that they, four centuries before Christ, during the golden age of Pericles, had the insight of a 19th century and brilliant man, uh, Sigmund Freud. Mm. And, of course, but the point is, it's like maybe Carl Jung said, that the we have a historical account in the unconscious. He believed that, that uh, the human beings... Uh, in effect, store away our collective experience. And it's just like animals. I mean, we are animals, of course, but we, we don't concede that. But nonetheless, uh, there are things that are built in us that just like a dog 
before it lies down, turns in a circle because his ancestor broke down the weeds around it. Well, Mm. we do many of the similar things. Our symbology, of course, is always consistent. There's no exception that water has strange effects on us. We look at the ocean. I mean, we're troubled by it or drawn to it, but we know that there's something very meaningful and it is connected with our own history that we cannot deny the influence of it. That's why I refer again and again to Homer and uh, you know his line about the dark wine surface, the dark wine of the ocean. Mm-hmm. seems to draw people. It's like a narcotic. The Dark One Sea. My yeah. guest is James Lee Burke, his new novel, Every Cloak Rolled in Blood. I know that one of the most important things, probably the most important thing in your life, is your family. Mm-hmm. A- and yeah. for Aaron, Fannie Mae was, was that, his family. Mm-hmm. A- and some readers might think that because... As the story opens, he's already lost her, that she's not going to be much of a part of the story, but she's very much a part of the story, isn't she? Mm-hmm. Well, she's based on my daughter, uh, Pamela, yeah, Pamela Burke, Pamela Roberta Burke. She was a remarkable person and uh, one of the best people I ever knew. But don't, undoubtedly, she was, and she was the rebel, good heavens. <laughs> <laughs> Heck on wheels. You, in, in the advance copy that the publisher sent out, there's a letter that you wrote, which is not in the, the final book. It's just in the advance copy that, that was sent to people like me. And, and uh, in there you have an anecdote about the time she asked for an autograph. And I love that story. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was wonderful. We used to live in Fort Lauderdale where Little Yankee Stadium is, you know, the that's where the Yankees trained in spring. And we were at the exhibition game, and I won't use the writer's, use the pitcher's name. Anyway, he was warming up, and I had bought Pamela a souvenir baseball. And she said, Daddy, can I have him get my autograph? I said, sure. We just go over to the fence. And she walked over and said, uh, could I, could I have your autograph? Now, this particular pitcher was a southern boy <laughs> from the mountains. I won't say, and a big chaw of tobacco in his mouth. <laughs> and he said, no more uh, autographs. <laughs> and Pamela said, why? Are you ashamed of your penmanship? <laughs> seven or eight years old. <laughs> he, he had a look on his face. I think he's still trying to puzzle his way out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jim, we also have a number of characters in your story who are ancient creatures, uh, we're not sure who or what they are. Some of them, uh, we're not we're not clear on on whether they're ghosts or, or what, what are they. Uh, we have this officer who was there uh, supervising this massacre. Uh, who who are these entities? 
Well, they're historical figures, but uh, in this case, the officer who presided over the Baker massacre was an evil man. This man committed an act of evil that defies the imagination, Mm. but he was not the only one. That was it. He was not the only one. I mean, it happened again and again. And uh, <clears throat> it is not to dredge up the past. It is to recognize the past. Very few people know about the Baker Massacre. <clears throat> but it was like the, uh, the massacre in Vietnam. That, uh, Me Lai. Me Lai. Mm-hmm. We, we, we eventually, this always happens. This always happens, and it happens in every culture. We look upon the event as an aberration, something that went wrong, that will not happen again, that is not, in effect, uh, an example, or uh, that were things that came together at the right time, the wrong things came together at the same time. Uh, that doesn't work. It's just happened too many times. That's what frightens us. Mm. When we look at the cast of villains in Hitler's Germany, they were baptized Christians. They came from good families. They were educated. How did that happen? How could anything so monstrous be systematically created? Well, it's, it wasn't the first time. And think of it this way. Look, the, where have we come from in, the, in terms of civilization? We've come a, a long ways in 8,000 years, we think. Well, look at the last century. The, in the last century, we uh, had gone from being gatherers and, and, and hunters and primitive farmers we had come from there into the most sophisticated and powerful civilization since that time. But what did we do with it? There were 20 million people killed in the First World War, and 30 million died in the Second World War. My fear is we're still standing on the brink as we speak. I think you're right, Jim. I I agree with you. We hear about the... This this fellow, um, the president's friend over there in Moscow, uh, our former president, is Stalin all over again. Nothing has changed, Mm -hmm. except he's got a lot more arms and more... uh, uh, more, He's more inclined, I think, to just blow up everything. This is the same man who let a submarine filled with his sailors suffocate to death rather than accept the assistance of an American uh, bathysphere that could have saved their lives. That's the man we're dealing with. The man who, again, I can't understand this, that um, U.S. president had great admiration for and still does. Mm. I I can't can't understand it. It's 
totally beyond me. I was born in the Depression. We used to be proud of ourselves. What happened? I can't. I, 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 I knew um, Senator McGovern, and uh, he's a really nice gentleman, and he flew 35 missions, you know, over Nazi-occupied Europe and was in the Kennedy um uh, <clears throat> White House, and we were having dinner, and he was talking about Franklin Roosevelt and Harry Truman. I mean, he knew these people. In my lifetime and in his lifetime, we've had presidents like Franklin Roosevelt and Harry Truman and Dwight Eisenhower. What happened? And he stared at me, and Mr. McGovern stared at me and said, Jim, that is the most depressing question anyone has ever asked me. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's interesting that you would bring him up. Uh, we've had I had the late Senator McGovern on the show a couple of times, and uh, oh, really? Yeah, and, and uh, the thing that he was most proud of was feeding the hungry under John F. Kennedy. And, and, right. and working across the aisle with Senator Dole from Kansas yeah. to get that done. That's right. That's it. That's it. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, and he was a very uh, genteel man, too. He was a really nice gentleman and very intelligent. He was a good speaker. I went to his 90th birthday and had a huge turnout at this lady's ranch down here in the Bitterroot Valley. Oh, really? Uh, he he spoke to people for about over an hour standing up because everybody else took the chairs. Nobody even <laughs> gave him a chair. And I and I don't know how he did it because just taking one answer, one question after another. But anyway. He was amazing. Yeah. My guest is James Lee Burke. We're talking about his new novel, Every Cloak Rolled in Blood. You're listening to 91.3 WYSO, fact-based journalism in service of democracy. And, Jim, uh, this has been our 21st interview. No one else comes close to you on my list, and it's always such a treat to talk to you. I hope that you're doing okay and uh, that things things are going well for you. Well, uh, we're doing okay. I didn't know the statistics there. I think maybe you're the only radio show that will uh, invite me back <laughs> that, that many times. <laughs> well, I remember back in the day when you used to actually go out on book tours, Jim, and you and Pearl yeah. would drive all over the place, and you came out here in person. I met you in person the first couple times you yeah. came through, and... Uh, I, I have fond memories of that, and I remember the one time you stopped for gas somewhere, and you were going to switch drivers, and one of you threw the key, keys over the hood, and, yeah. and 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 they went down the vent, <laughs> and I and I got a call from you. You said oh, we're running a little bit late here. Yeah, oh, I'll never forget that. <laughs> How did that happen? There's a key thrown inside the through the car's components. Both doors locked. Jeez. We had to get a fellow from Lexington, I think. <laughs> so that's out in the middle of East Kentucky. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. are, are you working on anything, Jim? Have you got another novel you're working on? Yeah, I 
just finished one. Uh, it's a, a historical novel set in Louisiana uh, during the years 1862 and 63. It's about the Civil War. It's quite a book. It is quite a book. Wow. So I'm, I just finished it. And, uh, yeah. Well, I can't wait to read that, Jim. You know, I've yeah. told you this before. One of my favorite books that you ever wrote is White Doves at Morning. Thanks. Uh, it's a really good book, I think. Yeah, it's a good story of Shiloh, and this one continues that story. Oh. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to read it, Jim. Yeah. I hope yeah. we can talk about it sometime in the future. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, always <clears throat> enjoy your interview. It's you're you're pressure you're a professional and. Uh, you always do a good one, and it's always fun. Well, look, all the best and uh, to your family, and thank for thank you for your listeners uh, and their attention. And I hope if they read the have a chance to read a book that they my book, they, I hope they enjoy it. Thanks, Jim. My guest has been James Lee Burke. The new one is Every Cloak Rolled in Blood for the Book Nook. I'm Vic McCunis.